Live from Utrecht, this is the fan with him, George Nado. Hello! George, welcome! Thank you! <laughs> um, we're we're going to pretend that this is the first attempt at recording, yes. and nothing went wrong before this. Everything's been going fine so far, that's what we're going to act like. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, so for context, guys, we I, I promised our listeners we're going to improve the audio recording every episode. We've just spent, by now... 75 minutes trying to get the audio right. Um, I think we finally managed workable solution. It's really unbelievable how hard it is to get this right. Either it's just hard to get the software right, and then if we finally get the software right, then I'll fuck something up for sure, and then we're not recording at all. Or but I, yeah. I think at this point, George, we got it right. We're 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 in a we're again we're in a situation that it's working well enough that yeah. we can sort of continue it's just a matter of pushing a button and everything works okay let's just go let's let's go let's go Tec- technical stuff yours here we go what do you want to talk about we're gonna discuss tap no last week we discussed taproot yep this week we're going to discuss taproot activation or more generally software activation yep this has become a topic again in the sort of Bitcoin debate uh, uh, community um, public discourse. Uh, how do we activate softwares? Because Taproot is getting to the point where it's sort of you know ready to be deployed, uh, almost I think. So now the next question is: Okay, how are we actually gonna activate this? Mm-hmm. Um, this has been an issue in the past with several softwares. Um, and it, it came up in the mailing list, uh, I think, a couple of months ago. And now it's sort of re-emerged. In, um, uh, there's now an IRC channel uh, where it's being debated. There's a Telegram channel. I wrote an article on it. It's back on the dev list. And um, Yeah, I read the whole IRC channel. No, actually, I started reading <laughs> the IRC channel. I got stuck at the meta discussion about whether or not there should be a Telegram channel and whether or not you need to ask permission and whether or not asking permission was off-topic in the IRC channel. <laughs> and uh, after an hour, I gave up. But you spent your entire Saturday, I believe. I, I spent most of my Saturday reading through all of the logs and sort of trying to summarize it into an article, yes. yeah. I, I didn't read past Saturday, so if there was any sort of big uh, discussion or development since Saturday, I might be out of the loop a bit, little bit, but that wasn't, I'm, that wasn't really my impression. I think I, I covered most of it, so I think we can cover most of it in the yeah. podcast as well. So maybe we should say um, what a software is. Let's start there. What is a software, George? So it's basically a tightening of the rules. Um, an analogy I like to make is uh, with kosher food. Um, I've made this analogy three times. Today. Yes, this is the third time you're making the analogy because <laughs> but, we're recording this start of the podcast for the first third time, which yeah. which is annoying. But, but let's basi- just go. But on. basically, kosher food is a subset of regular food. So there's a few things you don't eat. Um, so often you might not notice it. There's a lot of soft drinks that are kosher and you wouldn't know the difference. Yes. Uh, but sometimes you would know the difference and that could be a problem. But with Bitcoin, there is no such problem because the, the things that are no longer allowed after soft work are very stupid things. Yeah. So, so hang on. The, the thing you're saying is that it's uh, soft work is backwards compatible in, in the context of Bitcoin. And the reason for that is like, let's say I go to a restaurant every day because I love the food there and I... And then one day they 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 introduce kosher food, yeah. And the food's still great. I can still go there because I don't care if it's kosher or not. It right. Yes. So there's tighter rules. I didn't care about whether or not it's kosher, so it's fine for me. Yeah, but I'm you still, would if your favorite recipe was now 
kicked out of the restaurant. But it I, I would out, care if they if they get bacon out of the exactly. Uh, yes. But this is not the case the way Bitcoin Softworks works. So it's not your you wouldn't they wouldn't remove your bacon basically. They would remove your ability to stab yourself right basically. And and so it's a nice and elegant way to make the rules more strict without suddenly freezing anybody's coins. So normal people can keep using it. They don't have to. Uh, they don't have to upgrade. They can keep, you know, keep using the old rules if they want to. An exchange can, uh, yeah, an exchange can basically ignore SegWit for years, and it's perfectly fine as far as the blockchain is concerned. Um, I guess we can we can talk about some examples. Um, so Satoshi introduced software in the very beginning in a way that we wouldn't do anymore. Basically, one of the things he did was introduce a one megabyte limit. There was no limit. He realized that was bad, dangerous. So he put in the limit. And then later on, when it was already active, he said, oh, by the way, there's a limit. Yeah. So that's an interesting example that I didn't mention in my article for Bitcoin Magazine, which is... Um, so, I mean, we're going to discuss how to like implement softworks, how to upgrade the protocol. And, yeah. and one of the examples that Satoshi used was just to basically just snuck it in there. Yeah. And, and you know, only once people are running the code, they'll figure out that there's now one megabyte limit. Right. Which worked at the time, I guess. And, and maybe it was even a good way to do it because in his mind, he was probably fixing uh, like an attack factor. Yeah, and in that case, it makes sense because you tell people about it, and that increases the chance of the attack factor being exploited. Right, but it can also happen by accident. Uh, you accidentally add a rule to the system that you didn't know was there. Uh, so that sort of stuff could happen, but that's not what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about a deliberate change in the rules. And the so the other way that was done when there was a new rule was a flag day. To say, basically, from this day forward, this new rule shall apply, and you announce that plenty of time in advance, and then people upgrade, and it's all good. Yeah. So you have to say, like, uh, one year from now, so that's like a July 24th, when this is uh, being published, I think. Mm-hmm. July 24th, 2021, that's when the new rules are enacted. Right. Or you say, at block height, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. some block height in the future. At this point, the new rule is enacted. Yeah, uh, but but there was still a problem there, which is that you want to make sure that everybody's actually running the new software, mm-hmm. and especially that miners are running the new software because they kind of have to enforce those new rules. I mean, it's nice if they. It's really nice if they enforce the new rules. Well, I, yeah. everyone's enforcing the new rules, or at least everyone who's upgraded is enforcing the new rules. Yeah. But if a majority of hash power does it, that means they always reclaim the longest chain, yeah. even for the non-upgraded nodes. Like they still consider that a valid chain. So then everyone, old and new nodes, will converge on this chain. So yeah. that's why it's very nice if a majority hash power enforces the rules as well. Exactly, and for miners, there's a risk. If they, if you know, a majority of miners implement uh, enforces the new rules, but a minority doesn't, they could accidentally mine the wrong block. Yeah, the minority could mine an invalid block and then have their block orphaned. Exactly. They might not even know why if they're not upgraded. Exactly. So it's nice that miners signal that they're ready to do this upgrade, so that you know you can get an idea. Okay, most miners are, are clearly ready, and the few miners that are not, well, yes, hopefully they'll be fine. So that's sort of the other upgrades strategy apart from just stuffing it in there without telling anyone yeah you have flag days and you have minor activation so signaling so the signaling 
works as a coordination mechanism for the network to figure out, okay, enough miners have upgraded now, the signals to everyone, the network is ready, and through this signaling mechanism, a date or a time or a block height is, you know, communicated essentially. That's, yeah. that's embedded in the code that if enough signals are included in the blockchain, then we all know at block height X, the new rules will get into go into effect. Exactly. So usually it's every two weeks, uh, you count the number of blocks that have the signal, and if it's above a certain threshold, for example, 95%, then you know that two weeks later, the new rule is active. Yes, that was BIP 9, is yes. what you're explaining now. Exactly. The Bitcoin Improvement Proposal 9 is, uses this... Um, yeah, difficulty that's... mechanism, uh, difficulty period, 95%. So, so these are the three main mechanisms, right? You can just randomly do this, uh, you can announce a date, and you can have minor signal up to a certain threshold. And now the question is, what are you going to do for Taproot, and what have we done in the past? And maybe you want to combine some of these methods. Yeah, well, uh, so we mentioned why BIP9 is a problem? Well, um, so BIP9 was used a couple of times mm -hmm. to deploy uh, some features, I believe. Um, but when it was time to deploy SegWit, it, it took a long time. Like, we don't know if it would have happened eventually, but at least for, I think, at least half a year or so that the code was ready, mm -hmm. it just didn't activate. Nobody was, uh, only a small percentage of miners was signaling for it, or at least not the 95%. Yes, but we, we have a pretty good idea why that was. It, I yeah. mean, at least the miners that were blocking it were telling us why they were blocking it. Yes. Exactly. I mean, it's possible that some miners were just completely not interested. Yes, that's but all. There was definitely uh, miners that were actively not signaling in. Yeah, miner so then, apathy. That was probably a factor for at least some miners. Sure. Yeah. So what happened then is a number of different things happened outside the blockchain. Um, there was basically a group of people that said, hey, you know what? We're just going to, instead of the signaling, we're just going to go back to the old flag day approach. And that was called BIP 148. So they picked April 1st, 2017, and basically said, well, our nodes are now going to enforce these rules. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, but hang on. So the, to, ex to explain this real quick, the, like the, the, the downside of BIP 9 was that miners were blocking the upgrade because they wanted either political leverage or they were secretly benefiting from something that the upgrade would have fixed without telling anyone that that was the case. Yes. Or both. Like, But they were bad reasons basically for the miners to block this upgrade and this made bitcoin core developers and, and other bitcoiners realize that okay there's actually kind of a downside to bit nine yeah because it gives miners this leverage which they shouldn't have at all like they're they're treating it like a vote and they're sort of abusing their vote in ways that's that that's bad while it's not yeah. even meant to be a vote, it's just meant to be a coordination mechanism. Exactly, and right? also the, you know, the reasons why you might want to propose a uh, oppose a proposal generally should be technical in nature, uh, and not political. Yes. Um, so I guess that. Yeah. So ultimately, and this is what you were getting at. This was resolved in some way or another, and there's still yeah. debate to this day. So how it was resolved exactly. Like, right, because two things happened at the same time, right? You had the, the BIP 148 uh, UASF rules, the guys with the guns and, and uh, the nodes. And or with the hats. I don't the think hats. they had guns, but they had hats. One of them had guns. Oh, that yeah, there were some, really yeah nice, that's uh, true. I think they were like the some... Uh, defending the Bitcoin. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that's true. And I think the Tone Vegas right. have like a knife and or whatever. 
And so then the question is, you know, you can you can tell if you read all the social media and the, and the mailing list that, that that obviously played a role. But if you just look at the blockchain, you can't really tell mm-hmm. because what ha- what you see on the blockchain is all of a sudden ninety five percent started signaling, and the thing activated. Sure. Now it's of course very remarkable that this activated exactly before August first and not some random other date that it could have happened. Uh, but there's no. There were no blocks rejected that we could still point at saying, hey, look, there was actually a fight between miners, and etc. At the same time, there was an initiative from the uh, New York Agreement Group. And well, they had a whole bunch of things that they were planning to do. But one thing they were doing is called BIP91. And they were basically lower the threshold. So they said instead of having 95%, we're just going to accept 75%. Um, yeah, well, to be a little bit more precise, what they did in the end was use seventy-five percent forced signaling. So they, it was like a, like BIP one thread, but it was like a, a soft fork to activate a soft fork. Yeah, so so instead, so basically, you had to signal that you were going to act uh, that that you were going to activate the soft fork. Yes. And then because there was more signaling, it would activate. But that again, you cannot tell from the chain because immediately sure. people started signaling at 95%. And so that's the nice thing about these these kind of situations. You can't really tell what happened. It didn't it didn't go wrong. Like nobody called each other's bluff. Yes, and I think everyone agrees that it was at least sort of a tense period and um yes. it, it was um it was it showed everyone that maybe, you know, we got to rethink how we're actually going to do softworks because this was uh, very close to becoming a huge, huge mess. If you think through the worst case scenarios, which I guess we'll, we'll just avoid now because it'll get too confusing. Yes. But if you have chain splits, and especially if you have multiple chain splits with people people having different opinions about what the blockchain should be, that kind of defeats the purpose of a well-functioning blockchain. So it's something you want to avoid. Yes, uh, yes, and let's mm-hmm. skip the details. But yeah. it, it would have um, there was a risk of it becoming a pretty big mess. I think that we we both agree on that. I, I was worried for quite a while it would be an absolute clusterfuck. Yes. So new ideas. How are we gonna how are we gonna think about softworks and softwork activation from now on? Well, one thing that was done is a proposal, a revamped proposal called BIP eight, and yes, that's a lower number because. The, the proposal was older, but now it's actually newer, so that is confusing. But generally, there were just a couple of improvements to the original mechanism, maybe not super interesting. Uh, for example, using blocks instead of dates. Well, I explain what BIP8 is in the first place. Well, BIP8 was, I think, just a flag date proposal. Was it originally just a flag date? Yeah, I think so. Okay, and but, but later it was definitely, like, the idea was that it was... A combination of BIP9 and a flag date, basically. Right, so, so what it is now, at least, that's probably the most useful thing to describe, is sure. this, the signaling is still there mm-hmm. uh, with some tweaks, but there is also a built-in option to have a flag date. Mm-hmm. And now BIP is just a, a sort of a proposal of how you could do things. And so you could use the flag date or you could not use the flag date. But the proposal now explains, okay, if you have a flag date, this is how you do it. And it's a one-way mechanism, so... You could you could propose a new soft fork and not set a flag date, and then later on set a flag date, but you cannot propose a flag date and then unset it, basically. So if you decide on the flag date, you better go through with it. So it kind of well, you can't release a new client that doesn't have the flag date, of course. Yeah, but now you have a mess because you have you have well. 
one of the one of the nice things about BIP8 is actually that um, uh, it doesn't have a flag date purely. It has a four signaling deadline, so it's kind of like BIP148 before, where if you have the flag date on, so let's just call it the flag date for now, mm -hmm. then it doesn't mean that it activates the uh, software itself. It means that if at near the end miners any block that's not mining activation not mining support for the for the soft fork that block will be orphaned yeah right so it it forces signaling towards the end yeah so this means that if you have two groups of bip8 nodes one of them has the for signaling on and one of them has the for signaling off but miners go along with the for signaling on then the nodes that have force signaling off will still accept the soft fork because they're still seeing. All they're still seeing the signaling. Yes, exactly. Yes. So that's a that's a that's a slight change from previous BIP eight. Yeah, and I forgot whether I think you still need to if you have a flag date in mind, you may still need to put it in there because you don't want different people to have different flag dates. So I I guess it doesn't matter if you force signaling, but. It just becomes a mess because if you force people to signal and then they don't signal and you just decide to to you know not accept all their blocks you know, if only a small number of people do that then you still get a mess so i don't think it's completely thought out but it's definitely uh you probably still want to have some consensus if you decide on the flag date you want to have a very large consensus on what that flag date is and that really everybody goes along with it but maybe, it maybe. i mean it depends, right? Like, if even if you don't have consensus, but at least miners don't don't want to see splits, or they like it, they could play it safe. That's sort of how BIP 148 happens, right? Yeah, but now imagine if you had two different, like one you had the August one group and you had the August fifteen group, and and maybe it didn't activate at August one, but some like major exchanges decided to join the August one group and some other major exchanges decided to join the August 15 group and so it would still be a mess yes what well, um, the, the assumption is that in that case or the hope is that in that case miners just go for the August 1 one so they right. don't split the network that, that's one option but but I think at least an improvement here is that let's say you just have minor apathy um, you thought you know you can get 95% signaling but there's apathy you can have another discussion on mailing lists and everybody says yeah yeah we're, we're fine with this upgrade and, and no miner is objecting to it, they're just not bothering to upgrade their software to signal, then, you know, you can calmly agree on a date as a flag date and just calmly add it, and, and there's not going to be too much chaos. But you still have the problem of, of the miners not enforcing the rules. Okay, so I think these are sort of the basics of BIP8, and the next thing is that you can sort of play around with the parameters in all sorts of ways. So we've mm -hmm. already mentioned with or without flag day and the flag day in turn can be an actual flag day or for signaling then you can play around with like a parameter of how long how far into the future should this flag day be yep you can play with the parameter uh of how much hash power do you need so so far we've mentioned 95 percent, but you could lower this you could yep. say 75 percent is enough 50 percent is enough even 1% is enough, you could potentially do that, right? You yeah, can... that's pretty useless, but you could, yeah. I, I agree, but like the point is you can play around with this parameters in all sorts of ways. So now you sort of have pieces of the puzzle, and then you can think of 
ways to put these pieces together to come up with like a concrete activation strategy that we're going to use for taproot yeah but you can also imagine that there's going to be a lot of permutations and so this could could be a bike shedding nightmare yes (laughs) (laughs) yes it could um but should we cover some of them some of the sort of general ideas that are floating around yeah sure okay so one idea that has been proposed by matt corello um you know well-known core contributor is uh, he calls it modern software activation. So what he proposes is let's use BIP8 without force signaling on the end or without force activation on the end for a year. So that's more like BIP9. That's what we used to do. Um, see if miners activate it, um, just requiring a, requiring a 95% uh, hash power support threshold. Mm-hmm. Let's see if they do it or not. If after this year, if they do it, great, software has been activated. If they don't, then phase two of this proposal um, comes into play, which is six months of developer reconsideration. So developers see if there was a good reason for miners to block it. Um, Maybe there was a problem with a proposal, in this case Taproot, that they hadn't considered before. So miners, um, developers are just going to sort of reconsider. If after six months they haven't found anything wrong with the proposal and they concluded that okay, it's actually just minor apathy or minor miners, you know, trying something or whatever, like no good reason, mm-hmm. then we're going to deploy it again. This time, you know, BIP eight with either for signaling or or. Uh, um, with a flag day. Flag day on the end. Yeah. I think I think Matt's original idea was flag day on the end, but I, he's probably open to force signaling, I would imagine. I mean, the, the, the question is, if you have a flag day, what do you do on the flag day? And one thing you can do on the flag day is enforce the soft fork, and the other is you can force the signaling, which then triggers the soft fork. Well, exactly. So I don't think that's, that's more of a detail, and it's probably not controversial to force the signaling I, instead I, of forcing the soft fork. Yeah, I think that wouldn't be very controversial. Yeah, it just makes it more compatible with what other people are doing. Yes, exactly. So that's that would probably be. Uh, yeah. So that's so okay. So that's one idea. Um, it has, you know, the benefits of sort of taking it easy and and reconsidering if there's maybe something wrong with the proposal and if there is something wrong with the proposal then people don't have to actually need to upgrade their software they can just you know keep running whatever they were running yeah because um there was a timeout anyway in the software it just didn't happen and it's sort of fine there's no no sort of emergency upgrades needed at all or anything like that yeah um the downside is that if miners don't cooperate, it's going to take a long time before the software actually is live on the network, like three and a half years. Yeah. So that means, you know, app developers have to wait three and a half years. Everyone's just sort of stuck waiting for three and a half years for basically no good reason. So that's why some people really don't like this proposal. Yeah. What do you think? Well, you gotta think in the long run, right? So it's nice if you can have these improvements shipped very quickly, but if there is a tradition that developers decide on a soft fork and it gets activated quickly, well then, you know, maybe a government starts calling developers and saying, hey, we have this KYC soft fork, you know, and since nobody really pays attention and miners are, you know, run anything you want, why don't you just, you know, make that soft fork and, and don't worry about the review process? 
So you don't want to put too much power in the hands of the developers. They don't want that kind of power because it means they're going to get very unpleasant phone calls mm-hmm. at some point. So, you know, it's it's a difficult trade-off because on the scale, time scale of 200 years, it really doesn't matter if the software takes three years longer. Uh, but we have no idea what the right time is. It, you know, maybe it makes no difference for this political problem. Yeah. It might really just be wasting three years. Or it's it's really important to make sure there's no problem. So yeah, I don't so, have a strong so preference. I... I'd like to see it deployed soon, and hopefully miners are excited. But yeah. it's going to get more and more difficult to deploy these things in general, because uh, if you get, and we want that, lots and lots of very small individual mining pools, while trying to get 95%, even just to communicate to them, is going to be harder. And that's a good thing, but it could slow things down very... Sure. So another idea is BIP 8, um, let's say with like a year deadline at which time for signaling happens almost kind of like a basic proposal mm-hmm. would, would this be so to first ask you about that do you think that's too fast when you're so for signaling? my problem with the force signal is if you if you perform a, if you ship this thing and you say okay miners can signal for it but it, but if they don't it's going to activate mm-hmm. you kind of lock yourself into that outcome mm-hmm. there's no real way to object anymore because even if if people have, an, if even if miners come up and say, "Hey, wait a minute, there is a problem," then you can't cancel it anymore because people are running this new software and and they have the force signaling in. So lots of people would see their nodes just stop. So, and you- so you're essentially having a hard fork if you decide to not do it. So what I think you should do at minimum is say we ship this version without the hard coded date in it, but we're probably going to enforce that hard coded date. In a new upgrade, but I think that yeah. Be well, that's another step. that's another proposal, and I want to get there next. Okay. But I want to. So this one I don't like because I don't. If you remove any ability to object, then why even bother with the minor signaling? Because it, it, once you put a flag date in the code and you ship that code, that's it. It's just going to activate. Yeah. Well, the idea behind any unless you force software, people to upgrade, and that's a hard fork. Yeah. Well, although the idea behind any software, including taproot presumably is that there shouldn't be a problem with it if it's going to be shipped at all like at the point of it being shipped there shouldn't be any problems with it yeah and after that it's just a matter of coordinating the upgrade but the question is when are people going to bother to review it and i could imagine that if i'm a miner and like i have to run this new version let's see what it's doing right holy shit i don't like these new rules why are they reducing the block reward right yes that's that's one of matt's arguments as well that people and miners will only really consider it when the code is out there and the software is out there yeah and it's an expensive signal too right from as a developer, you're really shipping the software. That's a that's a bigger commitment than saying, okay, looks good on GitHub. Right. So I think that is a critical moment, and you can't expect review to happen after that, right. or review to happen after that. So that's why I don't think you should you should put the date in stone, at least not the first try. Maybe yeah. a half a year later. Maybe you don't have to wait for the whole year. Yeah, so a related idea, and it's almost kind of the same idea, I guess, but it's um, Luke Jr. Luke Dasher. Yeah, Luke Dasher, Luke Jr. People call him Luke Jr., but he once said in the podcast it's Luke Dasher. So. Oh, he did? Yeah, the Peter McCormack show. That was the first time I learned. All right. Uh, Maybe he's lying. Oh No, no, he, he's not allowed to lie, according oh. to his uh, religion. Okay. Um, he likes BIP 8 with 4 signaling towards the end, but he prefers it to be deployed in forks 
for clients, so not in Bitcoin Core. So mm-hmm. kind of like BIP 148, like he thinks soft fork activation should happen through different clients. That sort of takes away this pressure on Bitcoin Core developers, like potential, uh, you know, government uh, mm-hmm. enforced soft forks, that, yep. that sort of stuff. So only do it through forks of Bitcoin Core, forked clients. What do you think of that idea? Well, how do you coordinate the date? Is someone that, is someone that... just picks one, or it's sort of coordinated in, in some Slack channel, Cause, like cause... happened with BIP for one four eight. Or... Yeah, the problem is, like we discussed before, if you have multiple dates, you're gonna get the cowboy bias because whoever picks the most aggressive date, you know, that's the the party you kind of have to listen to. But that might be a recklessly early date because some people kind, might be kind of. But I I think if so, like we mentioned before with the kosher food, a software shouldn't have any downsides really or at least that's when it's becoming but a fast activation tricky. could still cause problems yes but then right. that's the downside in itself yeah so if people in general think okay this is too aggressive like this isn't good for bitcoin to do this aggressively then that's the reason itself i think it, it might fail so there's but the problem is with this that, you know the the minority rule the intransigent minority rule that taleb likes to talk about yeah so the most fanatic group so probably the most fanatic group is going to say the, the earliest date and the rest will have to just go along with that earliest date. No, they don't. No, not if the rest really dislikes the solution. The only reason it works with sodas is mm-hmm. because most people don't care either way. Right. But if most people really cared about what was in their soda, then the minority wouldn't get their way necessarily. Right. I, I would prefer if you went this route and there's some merit to it, I would still like at least the development community, like people on the mailing list to agree on a date. And then once that date is agreed on, we say, okay, you know, we're not going to endorse this thing. But if you do this thing, you know, here's the, the download and this is, we all have the same date in mind. So there's no chaos around the date. Yes. And then, yeah, there is but, something but to be said if, for but, like not having... But they don't seem to agree. So that's, that's going to be tricky as well, right? Who doesn't agree? Well, um, I think, for example, Luke, uh, I think also Jeremy Rubin, uh, to name a few names, they, mm-hmm. they'd like a much faster activation date than, for example, Matt Corello, or I think AG, AJ Towns is also someone who prefers a slower activation date. So there's disagreement there, it seems. So that makes it kind of tricky, right? Yeah, it may be that that ends up in in something that will forever be known as the bike sh- the bike shed wars. Well, but, but then, uh, <laughs> but then the the cowboy might actually come around and yeah, you and know, almost sort of save the day. Or I I'm not necessarily endorsing that, but yeah, but let me let, give let you me a put it scenario. this way, short. Okay, I f- I find it almost inevitable. Like someone out there is gonna Leroy Jenkins this. Like, it's got to happen. I don't know if it's going to succeed, but it's almost so, inevitable. So here's right? a bad scenario. Let's say we ship the completely ready taproot code, ready for mainnet, in two months. Yes. Not going to happen, but let's say we do that. And the code has this one-year, you know, minor signaling thing, and then it expires. And now the, the, the most aggressive group comes out and we say, no, 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 we're going to activate this, like, one month later. That's going to be the consensus or the loudest people yes that's gonna be the Leroy Jenkins yeah so two weeks later you know two weeks into that scheme the miners actually start reviewing because like we just talked about you know people might only review code when it's ready now they find a critical bug and most of the core developers would agree okay this is actually a bug we should abort this software miners please don't signal for it mm-hmm. but at the same time you have this super loud group who's already cancelled everybody who doesn't agree with them to activate this thing so 
that's why I like the idea of having at least some decent amount of time and, you know, some community agreement on, you know, when are we going to flag date this thing? And it shouldn't be within a few months. It, it, it should, you should give people a decent amount of time. But, you know, I can't decide what people are going to do. Well, except that's kind of my point. But you might it's... get a, you know, either that might be successful and it just deploys early and we get lucky. Maybe it's a botched uh, UASF sort of situation where they try, they make a really lot of noise, but the main players in the industry, because of this bug, for example, say, no, 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 we're not doing this. Yes. And they just collide head on and, and nothing happens. Uh, where you get a bunch of orphan blocks. Um it's hard to predict, but that kind of that could be a mess, and that could be on CNN, and then there's like, oh, Bitcoin is broken on CNN, and Bitcoin was already broken two podcasts ago. Remember? I don't know what the topic was. I think oh, it was RBF. that was no, that was a security something. Uh... Oh, it was unconfirmed transactions. Oh yeah, that yeah, was. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was the. So if that, that you know, but now imagine you know all these very mediagenic people with their machine guns in the forest, uh, advocating a software that. All of the core developers are saying, "Let's not activate this because there's like a really, really bad bug in it." Yes, uh, but I, I do think the dynamics then would be very different. Like if there's yes. an actual bug in the actual software itself, compared to an actual or, or or just an objection to the activation situation itself. Like right. these are two. Different. Well, this was a very extreme example, but the less extreme would be, I think, miners should have some time to review this code mm-hmm. after it's shipped. And and some people might say no, they should have reviewed it earlier because like, we don't want to set the incentive. Yeah. So I think it could be messy. So that's why uh, waiting longer, I think, is generally yeah. better. So here's another idea. It's um, another idea is BIP eight plus BIP ninety one. Okay. So, so this basically means you're gonna uh, deploy BIP eight. I think with a long. Uh, signaling periods like could even be three years or whatever like something that um, that that's similar to Matt's proposal mm-hmm. um, after these three three years three and a half whatever it is the activation is triggered mm-hmm. so there's a long lead up in the meantime though you're gonna see what happens so for example if after a year it's still not activated then developers can sort of try to find out why it hasn't activated. Again, sort of similar to Matt's idea. Developers take their time. They figure out, okay, there's actually no good reason that it's not being activated. At that point, they can deploy a new client that has sort of BIP91 in it, which forces miners to signal support for it before the three and a half years are over. You mean a lower threshold? Uh, lower. Yes, a lower threshold. So, okay, yes. so so you basically ship an update which has a lower threshold in it. Yes, which yeah. in turn triggers the higher. So threshold, I like the idea so of lowering the threshold over time. What I am worried about, and maybe that was discussed, is what if there's a bug? Because now you, if you, if this thing has a three-year window, the, that means there's three years in which this thing could activate, even though everybody agrees it shouldn't activate. Right. And. Well then, That's so then, kind of scary. right? So then, the answer is deploy a new client that includes a soft fork that undoes the previous, the taproot soft fork in that case. Well, if you undo a soft fork, it's a hard fork. Not if it's not activated yet. Yeah, but you don't know that. What do you mean? So, the problem is, people who are running the first version, they're just waiting for that ninety-five percent. They're, they're waiting for three years until this thing activates. But 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 then, if there's a bug fix. Then you need to have a new a new signal flag to indicate the new version of Taproot that you're going to activate, and you have to make sure the old version never activates. 
Because yeah, you can just soft fork that. You can a soft fork is a tightening of the rules. So now you say any soft fork, any tap roots, anything is just not allowed. Well, you're not going to include it in blocks. Yeah, you could completely ban version one, basically, yes, right? But that's that that's pretty horrific. It would be nicer if you didn't have to do that. It would be kind of ugly. Yes. Yeah. Plus, so, it would be important that people upgrade. Because so a one-year signaling thing is nice. Because that means that you can say, okay, if this thing doesn't activate in a year because there's a bug, we wait a year and we try again. Um, and then we know for sure we're not going to accidentally activate the old version after that year. Yes. Um, and yeah, it's kind of annoying to have to wait for a year, but then, you know, if there really is a bug in a thing that was ready to be deployed, that really warrants a year of thinking really, really well about how the hell that could happen. Yeah. So. Okay, so then there was another idea. Um, I added this uh, as But the idea of saying that signaling thresholds could go down, that makes sense to me. So you could say, well, when the year starts, it's 95%, but you know, after six months, it should just be 80%, and after se- and after 11 months, it should be a little bit less. And then if it still doesn't happen, we give up, and we decide again for next year what we're going to do. Yes. All right, so then there was another idea, which is, almost, I guess, is it the opposite as the previous one? Maybe not. You take... BIP 8 with a long period, but without forced signaling at the end. Then you still keep an eye on what's happening. If after a while you find that there is no problem with it, but miners aren't signaling for it because they're just um, apathic or um, they're, you know, they have another bad reason, then you can deploy another client with BIP 8, this time with forced signaling. That start for signaling before the end of the current signaling period okay or at least not later than that like if it starts before that then you have two groups of nodes online on the network the what the bip eight nodes you deployed first that don't have force signaling in, on the end and now the new group of BIP eight nodes uh, nodes that do have force signaling so if they do the force signaling stuff then the older bip eight nodes will also accept that as an upgrade well, that sounds like a regular idea of BIP-8, right? So BIP-8 has the option to allow soft force signaling. Mm-hmm. So initially you do not ship that option. And then later on you do ship the option. And yeah, the old nodes won't be confused because they see the signaling. Yep. So, yeah. Pretty much. That's so that, what's your preference here? It sounds like you're you're kind of conservative. Well, like I said, I, I don't like the idea of hard coding a flag date initially. So I, I can see the benefit of uh, you ship something, you wait, say it has a year of a window, you wait for six months, and then you know you still you still don't see any signaling, but you also don't see the miners that reviewed your code and found problems. Then maybe you say, okay, let's do a flag date. So it's like that's not super patient, and and then you you ship you you have that flag date within six months. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure. Like, in the short run, it's nice to have all this stuff fast. In the long run, it's kind of scary if something can happen fast. Yeah. Because it gives you less time to stop it if it's bad. Um, but, again, just just being slow for the sake of being slow doesn't make any sense either. So, I can see why these the IRC threats are going to be really long. But what I'm hoping will happen <laughs> is we just do, you know, BIP 8 without a flag date with a year of a window. And we get lucky and minus just activate the thing within a month. And it's done. That would be nice, right? If miners just cooperate, and maybe we're all we're all making too big of a problem out of this. Well, that's one of the that's for example, like well, I don't want to say it would be nice if miners just cooperated because you know Ethereum has that too, and miners are very cooperative. I would 
It would yeah, be but nice everyone's if miners fault. were very excited about this proposal for good reasons mm-hmm. and did so quickly. I, I'm not saying that's sure, it's not that's... technically not cooperation. It's just that's you know fair. agreeing, right? Not obeying. I guess that's, it is cooperating, fair. but I mean it in the in an agreement sense, not in an obey, obeying sense. Sure. Well, I think Greg Maxwell's position, for example, and he, there there are a few like him, is um, I don't think he really cares strongly. Like he f- feels like whatever is likely to work, like just just go for it. Don't don't over think this because it's probably good, good if you good know idea. if it doesn't work out we'll deal with it then i think that's sort of um his position for example um and and like all of the options i've named so far i think he's sort of okay with as right. long as like something needs to be picked because the longer it's gonna take the more the harder it's gonna get probably and the more controversial the whole topic might become and like just yeah just, it's quite possible try you, something you get a whole holy war over the exact details of how you activate a software and that might be bad. Yeah, do you think it's... I mean, that's one of the reasons it could be like a holy war. Is Some people think that it's a very important precedent to set. Like it, the way you're forcing a soft fork, mm-hmm. the way you're activating a soft fork that really matters going forward for the next soft fork. And yep. it really sort of defines Bitcoin almost in a way. Well, I don't know about the latter because things change. Mm-hmm. So even if we do things in an amazing way... Five years from now, there might be a whole new generation of people that just do not care about the ways of five years ago. All these old people. So, Especially in Bitcoin, five years is an eternity. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I mentioned today my main concerns. Don't set something in stone that you have a serious chance of regretting. So keep in mind that people don't review code before it's actually shipped. And so that that's why I kind of like the idea of having, say, a one-year activation window uh, maybe with a minimum of three months there was another proposal for that and then give miners and others some time to actually review this thing because they haven't done it and then if they find a problem you can still abort and then if you don't see this objection then you can choose to put in a flag day and then you can debate whether you want the flag day to be very quickly at the end of the year or whether you say let's give it another year that just depends but I don't have a strong opinion there but I'm not the most patient person, so should ask a more patient person. Well, you sound pretty patient to me. I, I think I'm pretty not, patient. Not by, when... like, Greg Maxwell standards, I think. <laughs> right. I, I guess I'm pretty patient when it comes to soft forks. I'm, I'm not really in a rush. Like, Bitcoin works for me the way it's working. A downside of at, having At the same a time, it's like, um, you know, users are, you know, it's not up to me. Like, people are going to get impatient, and I think that's going to be a... An interesting dynamic to see play out. Like, too conservative is a risk in itself. Yes, it, uh, because I, if, if this soft fork is hanging in the air for years, it will get political. Yes. And then it might not go through because of politics. That would not have happened if it went through a bit quicker. Yes, or, or it just increases the chance that someone's going to Leroy Jenkins in a, in a bad way. It, you know, if, if developers want to be too conservative, then you're, you're going to see that kind of um, movements yeah. and... Uh, you know that that might not always be the best way to do it either. So it's I don't know it's a it's an I I think this is a fascinating topic and I'm yep. gonna. Should we end on a cliffhanger? Let's. Uh, do you have a cliffhanger? What Let's are sporks? What's that? What are sporks? Oh, sporks! You want to get into that one as well? No, no, I want to leave it as a cliffhanger. Okay. Oh yeah, that's even better. So we discuss it in another episode. In another episode, or oh, maybe like never. That. I like that. Yeah, maybe never. <laughs> 
Uh, maybe yeah, maybe we're doing a lost uh, cliffhanger. You'll you'll just never get the answer. So, but there is another other idea for soft fork, which is called sporks. Sporks. All right, shorts. That was it for this episode. I think. Thank you for listening to the Van Weerdom Shorts NATO. There we go. 